Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Uh, hello. <laughs> it's time for Homo Sapiens. Now, what are we doing today? We're doing a podcast. Good. Um, I'm sitting in a car park. Um, honestly, the glamour. Uh, I'm actually, it's actually a beautiful morning. I'm sitting here with the sun on my face. I'm wearing a jumper and a shirt over the top, which could be problematic. But can you hear those birds? Now, somebody wrote in about the birds. Uh, and I'm going to try and find it. Identifying birds for me. You've all been writing in your droves, actually. You've written in lovely things, so thank you. I've had recipes, I've had all sorts. We'll get into that. So what am I broadcasting to you from here, this here car park? Well, I'm broadcasting to you today an interview with none other than Bimini Bomb Bulash. They are today's guest on the podcast. Bimini shot to fame, as they say. Um, I'm going to have a sip of coffee. I've made some coffee, brought it in a thermosy cup. It's going to burn me, I know it. Wowza. I'll strip your neck, strip your throat. Um, shot to fame on Drag Race. And just interestingly, if you remember, Bimini was not the favourite at first. Um, everyone loved Tia. And then Bimini, with Bimini's own brand of Bimininess, managed to completely uh, just wow everybody with, with a kind of, I suppose, a punk aesthetic a punk attitude. Uh, one thing that um, they say, which I love, which is I'm an imperfectionist. And I think for someone who's pretty uptight like me, I just feel like they are so refreshing to be around. And activism has been a massive part of their work. And now they're doing music, which is so good. I love the EP that they released. And just a hugely interesting person who is great fun. So that is coming up in a minute just looking at someone drive past who's parking. Oh, you're not going to get in there like that? Mm-mm-mm. Don't you hate it when people comment on people's parking? So, we talk about growing, Bimini growing up in East London, and we talk about non-binariness in a really interesting way. And we also talk about our mutual love of sad bangers. Now she's trying to park right next to me. What's wrong with the car parking space miles over there see I'm in I'm in the car park in the train station just so we all know I've got a lot of people parking around me suddenly anyway um, any of you LGBT would you like to come on a podcast before that though have you caught up with last week's episodes 
two amazing guests. We chatted to brilliant John Waite of Strictly fame, of Bake Off fame, and we talked to Woody Cook. I love Woody. Woody is just an original. I love John too. Keep emailing us, hello at homosapienspodcast.com or on Instagram at homosapiens. You heard me. Tell us what you thought of those episodes. Lots of you, actually lots and lots of stuff in the comments about the episodes. Which brings me to keypad sound, please. Emails. Lots of you got in touch about last week's episode with John Waite. Amanda said, really enjoyed the podcast. Really honest. He is a brilliant role model. Yes, he is a, he is a role model. Heather said, excellent podcast. Thoroughly enjoyed listening to John talking about his roller coaster life. He is so honest and open and an example to us all. And then lots of responses to John and I's conversation about the feeling uncomfortable in our interactions with straight men. So me and John were talking about how we are, uh, we slightly, oh, it's now raining, of course. Um, welcome to England. Interactions with straight men can perhaps be, in our mind, a little difficult. Is that true or not? Don't know. We talked about it in the podcast. We discussed it. We hatched it open. We cracked it open. But then Mikey got in touch with a different point of view, which I loved. He said, this is interesting, but opposite for me. As a gay man, I feel the same way, but opposite in the gay community. If I walked into a gay bar, I feel more judged than if I walked into a straight bar. Almost if I prefer straight bars, because when I am myself, I feel like I'm more unique and stand out. Not sure if also me coming out late and being a person of colour and heavier set could factor those feelings. So interesting, Mikey. Thank you so much for writing that in. Um, I love hearing that perspective and I can relate as well. Um, And I want other people to write in. Could you all just write in and tell us your version? But what I will say is the unifying trait is that I think we are taught to police ourselves in any bar or place, straight, not straight, because we have become programmed to do that. And that can be a headache. Mr. Miniver said it's the legacy of bullying. We learn to fear them as children. Harvard Stats had totally thought this was just me. Ugh, same, says Jazz Bazmaz. Unbreakable Pop Art said, So comforting to hear you talk about this. I thought it was a minority feeling this way. DC Harper says, Having had kids just now through primary school, one of the loveliest parts was meeting so many straight men. Absolute surprise and made me realise when we'd started how defensive a position I'd taken. That's interesting. Thank you, DC Harper. I've got that to look forward to. Yes. So there we have it. Okay. Um, And then Ryan got in touch about my equine question from last week. Equine meaning horse. Just listening to 244. Can you believe we've done 244 episodes? And you'll walk past the horse. The fabric hood is likely to combat against flies. Now, that would make a ton of sense because it is fly central where we are. I... I'm constantly battling them and I don't know what to do. And then I went on a whole TikTok, obviously, I was at Instagram actually, wormhole about how to combat horseflies because horseflies are like flies with teeth. They come and get you, they bite you and they are so aggressive. Like they sort of, you see them coming from about 40 feet away and they just come towards you and then clah, sink their teeth into you and make you bleed. I'm not kidding. 
So I'm going to wear one of these hoods as well. But uh, in my TikTok wormhole, I discovered you can get a big black ball, a uh, plastic ball, and cover it in like treacle or some kind of sticky stuff. And that is the best way to combat horseflies. Who knew? Which leads me nicely into a brilliant chat with a wonderful, famous vegan, Bimini. Um, let's go talk to Bimini, much better person than I am. Wouldn't hurt a horsefly, um, let alone a fly. And it's just a nutritious and refreshing conversation. But first, we're going to play you in with new music from their EP because it's a bangers, wall-to-wall bangers. It's really good. This ain't my first rodeo. Best freebie you've ever had. Best freebie I've ever had was a trip to on the Orient Express. Oh, with Glenn. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah, yes. I loved that. We basically got taken to Venice. Nice. And we started in Venice and then did the Orient Express back to Paris. Oh my God. Yeah. And I had been like not drinking and I drank and everyone got very drunk. <laughs> and Miss Fame was on there and Miss Fame wasn't drinking and was gorgeous the whole time. Right. And the next morning I was definitely hung over and Miss Fame was like so lovely to meet you probably Bimini and like gave me a hug and I was just like (laughs) I look you look like you look great and I just look like a mess (laughs) it's it's a free trip that's sort of what you've got to do right yeah it's um we're just catching up about skincare so Bimini what are your what's your morning routine I actually do want to know the answer to this because you're glowing oh glowing sweaty I think (laughs) just cycled that'll do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, well, actually, this could be the SPF I've got on. I've got a lovely Nivea SPF on at minute okay. 50 because I put 50 on my face every day. Um, but usually I'd like, I'll have a little toner um, day and night. Um, and then I use like an essence. And what's and, that? Like a kind of hydrating serum. Okay. Almost, like an essence and then a serum. Um, some f- stuff for the under eyes. Lovely. And then a moisturizer. And how long does that take? <laughs> Like if I'm if I'm really giving myself like the time and I want to want to love myself, it could be ten minutes. Yeah. If I can't be asked, it could be two. <laughs> That's good, but you just need yeah. a fast thing. You well, might... it's good because it can be quick. But like you know, sometimes I like love it when I'm like stood there in the mirror and I've like I wash my face and I cleanse and I like massage everything in and I'm yes. like, oh, this is glorious. And then most of the time, I'm like, I'm going to do that every night, and then it doesn't happen. <laughs> no, but it is nice to at least have the ambition. But do you? Yeah. So. Where I'm just beginning my skincare journey, and what do you go on? I get all my tips from TikTok. Mm-hmm. Is that where you get your stuff from? No, I've I've always kind of been into skincare. I think when I started doing drag, mm. I wasn't into skincare at all. This was like back in 2017. I was an avid believer that coconut oil was the answer to all my problems, <laughs> and I would hover that all over my face, not realizing that actually it's too thick to really absorb. So it doesn't right. just kind of sits on top. It doesn't really do anything. But oh. I was I was all for it, and then. As I started wearing like more makeup, if you can ever believe it, um, <laughs> I started wearing more makeup. It was drying up my skin. So I was like, okay, I yes. need to like kind of step it up. And it makes a huge difference with makeup, like having good skincare and, and, and having a nice base. Yeah, primed and it dries your skin. Yeah, massively. And um, what you were doing with the coconut oil, though, that's called slugging, isn't it? <sighs> Something like that. <laughs> it felt like slugging, um, but yeah, it would. Well, there's lots of things you can you meant to do it. That there was this was kind of pre TikTok. All of these like fads with coconut oil was like there right. was also a time where I was like doing um, oil pulling. What's that? It's where you swirl it around your mouth for ten minutes, and it's what? meant to like bring out all of the toxins. I don't know if it did anything, but um, it was quite hideous. <laughs> uh, my dad was so into like um, alternative medicine. 
And he went through a whole stage where he drank a liter of olive oil every day because apparently it like what? cleared your system. Oh my goodness, that would just clog you up now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he did it for long. He also used to do this thing where he had, so he had like bad skin, like psoriasis. Do you know what psoriasis is? Yeah. Like, um, Kim Kardashian's got it. Has she? Yeah. <laughs> so similar to my dad. Um, <laughs> Nobody wants to work. And, Nobody wants to work these days. <laughs> um, he would hold these like copper electrodes for like an hour every night to cure one of the many things he tried to cure. But he did cure it in the end. I didn't know Kim Kardashian had psoriasis. Is she like a... Did she talk about it a lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She spoke about it quite a bit, I think. There was a time because I... I Weirdly, when I was 18, mm. I found out now that it was it was actually dairy-related. Mm. But um, I suddenly woke up one day and I had all of this like kind of scales all over my body and it lasted, it lasted about a month and then it kind of went away. But the doctor diagnosed me with psoriasis and said that I've got that. Then I actually later on got diagnosed with like having ulcerative colitis, which at the time- Which my meant, dad had as well. Really? Yeah. Which just I means so similar. <laughs> but I was just like, yeah, it was because of dairy. So that's why, I, that was one of the main reasons I cut out dairy. I was already vegetarian, but I kind of had to, had to give it all up. So that's why you became vegan? It is. And yeah, it was like mostly that was the main reason. Like it was a health thing at that time. I was already vegetarian, but um, I was 21 years old. Mm. I was exploring my sexuality. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you want to be <laughs> having to worry about, you know? So <laughs> since then, I've um, I've gone to like a plant-based diet and I've never had a problem since. Not every vegan gets to go for like a very famous lunch with Sadiq. No. Uh, at... <laughs> vegan institution Mildred's what was that like I just love the memes after where people were like a couple looking for a third (laughs) 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 me and Sadiq Khan it was great like it was very it was it was lovely to meet Sadiq Sadiq was uh, lovely to chat to but it was very brief yeah it was like quite one course they were on a press tour that day so Oh, what? So you didn't even get to eat the whole meal together? We did, no. We had a, we, I think I had like I was a 20 minute window, so. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, that's, you know, a bit of tofu at least. Yeah, you can deep fruit a burrito in that time. <laughs> <laughs> I love Sadiq. He's been very sweet and supported this podcast, actually. Yeah. And he properly um, believes in it all. I, I think he sticks by his word. Yeah, I think so. And when you come out of something like Drag Race and then everybody wants to, e.g. have lunch with you at Mildred's, like, <laughs> did anyone else get in touch? Who are the people, who are those people in power who are actually doing what they say? Well, I think Sadiq is someone that was like, definitely um, has always been right with what he wants to speak about. And mm. I think like he does, he does stand up for what he believes in, which I think is great. Mm. Recently, I met up with Nadia Whittam. Oh, yeah. um, and we did a kind of chat together for about an hour and we spoke about a lot of different issues. And it's just incredible working with, someone or like speaking to Nadia because Nadia's like she, she was the youngest MP in parliament like mm. at 23 got elected and and like always stands up and and even though she can be on the front cover of the like the tabloids like by miss by saying something wrong she's still like and she's so young I just I find it really inspirational mm. like chatting to her it just felt really like okay this is amazing that someone is so such an advocate to like what they believe in and standing up for the marginalized basically it's what we need more of head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long catch the acclaimed movie all of us strangers starring paul muscal and andrew scott Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And 
Don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A big part of you has been activism from the word go, right? And I've watched with interest, I suppose, you, one, doing that, and then two, becoming a pop artist or an artist, let's say. You might not want to put pop in front of it. (laughs) (laughs) but And that's also a thing that, you know, artists are activists. But how do you get that message and and do something with it is the thing that I think is really hard to try and follow through on. I think what I've always kind of spoken about and, and being outspoken about, there's been times when I haven't felt like I could give anything because I was going through personal things that were like affecting my mental health. And mm. it's so difficult to kind of want to give as much as you can, but then not giving it to yourself and and really kind of having to step back. And I had to take a moment recently, it was like the last year. And I'm in a much better place than I was a year ago, but a lot had happened with like personal things with my old management and, and a lot of betrayal had happened. And I went through a lot of things like that had affected me negatively. And I realized that I couldn't outwardly give anything because I was so kind of broken myself. Yeah. And I had to really take a step back and work on that. And I'm back in that place now where I feel like I can give authentically and, and and show up and be there. And what I realized is that like, it's not about what you say, but it's about what you do mm-hmm. that makes the difference and makes it matter. So I feel like a lot more empowered now to kind of want to s- keep fighting and, and speaking out. And it's, it's very difficult that you worry that you're going to let people down. And that's something that I yeah. really had to struggle with, especially after Drag Race and kind of my life just changed overnight in a way, you know, like yeah. it was it was quite crazy. But before that, when it comes to like, standing up for what you believe in and, and the politics and activism in my performance even back in the early day yeah i was always bringing an element of of that into it and at the time there wasn't like there wasn't so many people that were like bringing that message into drag it was like a lot more and i'd, I'd realized that like i could easily just go and do a brunch on a saturday mm. and do a britney number mm. and like dance around and everyone loves it like the huns go crazy which is great <laughs> But like, I always loved to stand up and, and say something like my first ever performance at the Glory, which I love the Glory for yeah. because they're just a space that allows people to be creative and be political and be messy and just have fun mm. with it. But I think like Dragon itself is always that it's been political. And I yeah. think I liked my first ever performance was doing like a kind of um, lap dance of Donald Trump. And it was all about like what was happening <laughs> at the time. It was 2017. And then my next performance <laughs> that I did was like a, a vegan act. It was about cows and dairy and everything. And I basically came out as a cow and did yeah. this like monologue and then stripped down into bikini and got covered in oat milk. Like it was, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like having humor with it, I think is so important. And that's something I've learned. I yeah. think like, 
a lot of the times conversations around issues or, or topics that are very hot right now in the media mm. can get so hostile. And I think going at it with an empathetic or kind approach with a bit of humor is the best way to do it. Yeah, and also like not allowing yourself to be reduced to a type. For example, you're doing a drag show in the glory mm -hmm. that is in a space that is for queer people, for queer people, and it's great, mm -hmm. but it doesn't really have repercussions beyond that moment doesn't have repercussions beyond those four mm -hmm. walls. It doesn't mean it's not important, but I'm, I'm saying that then you move into a space where you've done drag race, everybody knows who you are, and then you're, you know, having lunch with Sadiq and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, that's, that's a whole different thing. And how you then go, I, but I also need to be taken seriously with the messages I'm giving. Mm -hmm. And what I'm thinking about is because there was, you were asked to go on in a morning breakfast show, weren't you? Mm -hmm. Do we say what it is or do we not? Um, I don't really care. It was this morning. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, <laughs> it seemed obvious. And you were going on and they wanted you to only go in a in your full drag race look, right? And you wanted to go on in a lovely little number. Well, it was to talk about um, a book, my book that I'd written. Yeah. And a lot of the topics in the book are, it's lighthearted because I bring that element of like humour to it. But it's topics that are personal to me. Um, personal to a lot of other people and they're talking about kind of topics that, that are quite important and I mm. think like they it felt like they were reducing it down to they had an agenda and mm. I just sniffed out straight away like I knew I studied journalism so I kind of knew that hmm. they were like when they said we want you to come on and wear this look I'm like right okay so 9 30 in the morning you want me to come on in a high-rise pink thong, pink stripper heels, and a pink Tudor corset yeah. and big blonde hair to talk about my book because you don't want me to be taken seriously. Mm. When Balmain had offered for me to wear a Balmain suit and they were like, no. And Balmain actually didn't even want to be credited for being it because they were like, it's not a cool thing to be on. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like... So Holly doesn't wear Balmain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, but they were like, you can wear it, but we don't. you don't have to credit us for it. Like, you can wear the outfit. And then I stood my ground and was like, well, I'm not, I don't need to come on and take up space in that, that, that segment because I know exactly mm. what you're doing. And then they were like, well, if you don't wear it, you're not coming on. I was just like, well, whatever. Wow. <laughs> And were your publishers funny about that? No, they got it. That's like, nice. They understood. Because I was doing a lot of things at that time. And I think like, yeah, it would have been great, but still got Sunday Times bestseller. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, it's funny because Sophie Hagen was saying that when they go on TV, everyone's like, TV's the Holy Grail. But mm. actually, I've got a big audience. I can do stuff and get it out there. And if you go on TV, you get 17 followers on Instagram. Yeah. It's not like, but people make out like it's this huge thing. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's that's how it kind of felt. It was like, well, you, like, we're giving you this space as a queer person to come on. But I was mm. like, yeah, but you're reducing me down to a certain ideal of what it is. And I know me in that outfit. I know when to wear a high-rise pink thong and pink stripper heels, you know? It is yes, not a 9.30 on this, on this morning <laughs> on a Tuesday. Like, no one wants to see that. <laughs> well, they're writing the headline for you aren't yeah. they which is like shocking dot 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 yeah and it undercuts that drag has a message and it also what i think is really interesting about it is it's like it's basically julian clarification mm -hmm. isn't it of queerness in any form it's like oh well they're just mad and latex yeah exactly yeah and it's it's like what they were trying to reduce that whole thing to was a like a more sexualized mm -hmm. um look mm. and Listen, they're not going to get Britney Spears on at 9.30 on this morning in a high-rise pink song, are they? Like, yeah. she's going to dance in her underwear or whatever she wants to wear 
on Instagram or on stage. Yeah. And that's fine. There's a time and place for everything. And yeah. it's about ha this perception that queer people are s just sexualizing everything and, and wanting to, like, everything is sexual. Like, everything has been. We've mm. been in a world that's, I grew up seeing Pamela Anderson's boobs like so much, you know? Yeah. Like, the world, the patriarchy created this sexuality everywhere mm. and sex sells and all of this stuff. But then when it comes to queer sexuality and sexuality that isn't for the masses mm. and it's more of a thing for yourself and in the power thing, that's where there's an issue. Mm. And that's what they're trying. They try to make it out. It's, it's disgusting. And they're trying to indoctrinate our children. And it's like, mm. no, you're the one telling me to come on this morning at 930 in a high rise pick song. Not me. Yes. <laughs> so, And no one knows that at home, obviously. Yeah. So they think that's just what you're channeling. When I think about your activism, I always wonder where that came from in your family. Like what was growing up like? Were there people like that in your family? I think my, so my parents are divorced very young. Um, half my family are from London. I didn't really know that side of my family much because my granddad had passed before I was born, but he was like a director in the West End and, and yeah. my nan was like a tiller girl and like they yeah. had this like crazy life in the 60s. And then um, my dad came along with them and they were always quite like showbiz, glam. And then I think it all fizzled out quite young for my nan. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, the world just was against her. I think it just, she didn't bode well with that. Mm. Um, and then on my mum's side, she she's a hairdresser and she's from Scotland and my family from Scotland. So there wasn't really a lot of activism. I didn't, I didn't grow up around that, but I've realized that I was quite opinionated quite young. <laughs> like I'd always like question everything. That's right. something that I, I was always doing quite young because I was always fascinated, but I always questioned like, why is that happening though, mum? Like, why are we doing this? Or why is, why is that happening? So I think, um, my mum thought I was just rebellious, right. yeah. but um, I was, that's why as soon as I was like, I need to move to London, I moved to London and, and I see, yeah. kind of, experience like queerness for the first time i guess right so what did um a bimini obviously you weren't called bimini then but school report look like oh <laughs> like every queer person i think um what is it like gifted was like, <laughs> was always on the school report from a young age but a chatterbox yeah <laughs> yeah um but i was all right at school there were things that i didn't like maths so much i wasn't very yeah. good at that side but like english and history and and i loved that side of of school mm. the chatterbox thing mm. i had to go through the loft and i found all our my old school reports <laughs> and they were literally like he just doesn't stop talking and yeah. <laughs> they could actually do all right except for the my sports report was like i don't think he'll be troubling the england team anytime soon <laughs> But, <laughs> I love that like sassy quote. That I know. I write. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Atkins. Yes, yeah. I remember you. Um, but what is that chatterbox thing? Do you think it's because we're in free fall and are like, I'm different and I don't know what the fuck to do about it? Could be that. I think also everyone is so different. School is great for having education, but there's also flaws in the fact that everyone is different, but they try to make everyone do the same thing yeah. for six hours a day. And I couldn't sit still. I was, I was a bit like, fidgety and i think like trying to make me do that for so long was was a struggle mm. and also i was obsessed with buffy the vampire slayer and s club seven at that time it was like the early oh, like, mid 90s okay. so we were just getting ready for playtime so we could like reenact the s club moves <laughs> do you remember s club eight yeah s club juniors but then there was also s club eight was there yeah because this guy i went to school with was in s club eight which was meant to be like a tv show version 
and they were around for like 33 seconds and then they got closed down. <laughs> was it Was it because there was S Club 7 and then they did S Club Juniors? Yes. And then did S Club Juniors become S Club 8? Well, Holly Willoughby was in it. Oh! Who would have thunk it? No. And then he, the person I'm talking about is Ben Barnes. He's in all those like, not The Witcher, but he's an actor now. Uh-huh. He's a Prince Caspian. I remember they all got rented this flat in Canary Wharf where they all lived. I think not all in the same one. Yeah, a bit of trivia for an S Club 7 fan. Yeah, that's I crazy. It. Who was your favourite S Club 7 man? Um, I loved Hannah and okay. Rachel. So then you're an S Club 7 fan. <laughs> <laughs> and Buffy, and I think Buffy was something that I felt really connected to very young. How funny. Why do queer people love Buffy? I don't know. I think it is, it's because it's, she's different. Right, yes. And she she's the slayer. Yeah. And she comes into this high school and she's she's not like anyone else and she's got this big dark secret. I think that must be it. Amen, sister. There we go. Uh, that's the end of part one with Bimini. Part two's on the feed. You know what to do. Powered by Spirit Studios.